Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. For a fresh new start And a network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis from freezing Westchester County. It's 20 degrees outside, but this is going to be really fantastic. We have Jonathan Brown here, the author of Chloe. And Chloe can't wait to get out of Dodge with her case is Bucksville, California. She's tired of high school, small town gossip, but most of all, taking care of her alcoholic mother. But when you meet Chloe and get to know her better, and I love the Sheriff Jim Boulder, you're going to fall in love with her just like me because she's a straight-A student just like I was. And still am. So, yes, you have to love it. Besides the fact that she does, she fights for what she believes in, will do whatever is necessary, and she's so me. That's why I love her. So, hi, good morning, and welcome to to MJ Network. And I'm so glad you're doing this. Good morning, Fran. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, quite an honor. Well, I am so thrilled that you're here. So you give everybody, there's people listening, I don't blame them. I would listen to. Um, how did you start? Just short summary and describe. How would you? How did you create Chloe? I love Chloe. Okay, uh, so Chloe is the first time that I wrote a book with a female protagonist. So I really didn't want to screw it up, as you can imagine. <laughs> being a, uh, you know, being a bit of a tough guy, a black male. Um, so. In my other books, I write a, a, a Lou Crasher series, which is a, uh, a rock and roll drummer turned amateur PI. And in those books, I've always, I've always been drawn to strong female characters, and I write strong female characters. So I sort of had some practice with uh, basically, to use an old phrase, to come up with tough broads. You know? And how I came up with Chloe was came from something that happened way, way back when I was in high school. Now, at once, I was 16 years old, and I had a, for a moment there, I had a drop-dead gorgeous girlfriend that was way mm. out of my league. And I thought, let's just enjoy this while this lasts before she wakes up and moves on. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so we were walking home from school one day, and this older boy, um, came up to us, and uh, I knew him by reputation. He was a real scrapper, real tough guy. Mm. And um, he started to hit on my girlfriend as if I wasn't even there, just ignored me. So uh, right away I thought, okay, this is going to develop. I have to defend her honor. This is going to end up in a fight. Mm. And before I was about to make my move, I remember looking at her, and I noticed how uncomfortable she was. Now, as a 16-year-old boy, that was the first time I'd seen, uh, you know, one of the gorgeous girls show any discomfort, and it was because of the unwanted attention of a male. Because in, mm. in our eyes, when you're just full of testosterone and you don't know anything, 
we look at the pretty girls as they're like celebrities. They can have anyone they want. They usually have the older boyfriend with the car and all that stuff. But I was so heartbroken to see how upset she was and uncomfortable. And I just, so that was a real eye opener that, you know, hey, even the beautiful people have problems too, sort of thing. So once I shook that, I thought, okay, I need to deal with this gentleman. Well, not a gentleman. And we had some words, but it, it never developed into a fight or anything like that. But it always stuck with me that, um, you know, you, not only do you not know everybody's story, but mm-hmm. as I said, even the beautiful people, the beautiful girls, have problems, you know. So uh, I wasn't a writer then at all, but I thought one day I'd like to somehow mm. uh, let all these let guys know that um, just because they're gorgeous doesn't mean that you can just take a shot and if they reject you, you know, whatever. They actually, they don't want your unwanted attention. They don't want you to bother them, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's kind of how it came well, to Chloe and I made her, um, yeah, she has, uh, you know, some, oh, and I should also add, um, often with these, you know, my girlfriend was 16, but there were a lot of the teachers, particularly an art teacher, and mm-hmm. that that they came, they came onto her. So you got all these older, lecherous men. I mean, God, that would be a pain in the ass, right? So I can tell uh, you the true story. Been... That's just, I know how I know how that feels. By the way, well, mm-hmm. I wasn't the most gorgeous, but my professor came on to me when I was in college. That's and so yeah. Creepy. It was not only was it freaky, but I can't sing, and I majored in music, and I was an A student mm-hmm. in violin and piano, and I was a concert pianist and violinist, and I couldn't mm-hmm. sing. I didn't realize that you had to take voice. It's a true story. I mean, oh. I, to this day, it's mind-boggling, and I could hear it in my head. And he came over to me, and he was a new professor. He just got married, a creepy guy, mm-hmm. and he said, "If you want to pass, uh, you better be nice to me." Or I'm going to fail you. Yeah. And I, oh yeah, and I just looked, I was like a big, I was not very old as a teenager in college. I started mm-hmm. early. And he looked at me okay. and I, he says, and you better let me drive you home. And I said, oh. when H, and I said, when H freeze is over, you can, I'm going to, and I reported him to the head of the department. Oh, okay. What yes. happened was he, he was brand new and they stuck a whole bunch of us in his class and, um, how can I say? I was lucky I passed. He, I, I got out of his class and I said, I'll take, I had an A average in music and I wound up, I think, with a C or a B plus because of him. So how did you create the first scene where we meet her? And tell us about her mom and her downfall. She had to make a decision as to whether to take care of her or not. She wasn't very nice to her either. Right. Uh, the first scene, um, I have a lot of scenes where uh, either Chloe, either Chloe remembers them from from the past, or they're, you know, in in her present life, where her alcoholic mother uh, often will go to the bar and bring home yeah. drunk, uh, usually blue collar boyfriend. And so I had a whole bunch of scenes written in different places on my computer, and I decided to take one of those uh, and use it as a flashback and have mm-hmm. that as the opening. As opening scene. Um, that's how I came up with that. I, I forget the second part of your question. Sorry. 
her mom became an alcoholic. Why? And what happened to her father that set her mom on his downward path? Because that that could happen when you just feel like you're losing somebody or you don't somebody doesn't care about you. Right. Well, her father. Sorry, Chloe's. Sorry. Uh, her mother's name. Oh my God. Uh, well, she calls her mama most of the time, but she um, she loses her husband. Uh, he commits suicide. And uh, or is taken by suicide, and mm-hmm. um, that's when she she turns to drink. And what comes mm-hmm. with that, the depth the depth of her despair is she does not love herself. And if you can't if you don't love yourself, it's very difficult to love other people. So mm-hmm. out of her frustration, and she takes her frustration and her anger, and she puts it on her daughter um, because she's sort of caught in between uh, resenting her for basically having her crap together and knowing that she needs her daughter to look after her. So the role reversal of the, the child mm-hmm. looking after the parent. So uh, in a perfect world, she would, uh, you know, join a program and dust herself off and, you know, stop drinking and learn to love herself and love her daughter. Yeah. But this is noir, so it's not a perfect world. It's sad, it's sad because... Yeah, well, it's hard. I was a caregiver for my mom, but it's hard. So Chloe feels that she has to sacrifice it all to take care of her, and then that's commendable. Mm -hmm. That's really weird. And how does she create? How did you create the conversations with her mom? Because those are pretty pretty intense too. Yeah, um, I would say. I mean, I had a very good relationship with my mother, and but we Mm. had a lot of conversations. We had a lot of conversations. So um, I find with writing, it's not that hard to switch the gender of a character uh, and still keep the conversation genuine and authentic. So uh, it's not like the conversations were based on the conversations I had with my mother, but um, just that closeness, like nobody knows you better than your mother and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So you know how to cut to the bone. With the, in that close relationship, and you know how you can hand out the compliments if you're functional and not dysfunctional. So um, I, the, the dialogue between them was pretty real because Chloe uh, sounded sort of like yourself, where she was wise, she was smart beyond mm-hmm. her years, right? So, mm-hmm. And as, as we all know, um, girls develop faster than boys. Mm-hmm. And I even remember in high I remember in high school, you know, the girls that were in the 12th grade, you know, um, intellectually, they were ready in university and college, you know, so they were already <laughs> done with high school, even though they were still physically in the high school. And that's, that was Chloe, like you said, the straight A student. So yeah. um, while she's about, she wanted more support while she's about to take on the world, but she did not get it because her father was there and her mother was not helpful. So Chloe's also not very nice to her mother either and also resents the yeah, fact that she has to look at because she's duty bound because she has a really strong moral compass. She knows she should look after her mother. And you know, and she also there's that fantasy of I want my original mommy back and maybe that'll happen. You know what I mean? Although she knows it probably well, won't unless her mom gets help. I know, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, my mother was tough too. She demanded perfection from me, but not from my sister or brother. It was hard. 
mm-hmm. and yet you want to live up to what they want. You don't want to disappoint them. Yeah. So right. this town was interesting. I like this town. Tell us about Thank the you. town and the people, and why does everyone? I love these towns that everybody knows everybody else's business. I felt like I was in Mayberry. <laughs> well, there's a lot seriously. Of, uh, so I live, I live, I live in the Los Angeles area, and just a couple hours north and northwest of me are a lot of small towns in uh, wine country. Uh, mm. So towns like Paso Robles and. Uh, San Luis Obispo, and these 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 towns are very cute. You know, they're clean, people are friendly, and um, people are genuinely. You know, a lot of people leave the fast city life of Los Angeles, and they're just relaxed and they're happy. Mm. But being that it's a small town, everybody knows everybody, and I, I what I like that I like that element that. If everybody knows everybody, everybody's under the microscope, so you're you're more yeah. likely to behave yourself because everybody knows the gossip is going to move hard and fast. But at the same time, small towns are always really great uh, backdrops to uh, write crime and noir and murder. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I took a bunch of those small towns that, that my wife and I have visited and uh, just came up with this fictitious town called uh, Bucksville. And it has a little bit of a um, western sort of farm, a bit of a horse and cattle element to it, which is, mm. if you go up to Paso Robles in those areas, um, you will see a lot of that the ranches and, and stuff like that. So it's, again, you have that feel of, Almost well. There's a bit of the Wild West out here, even though we're not, you know, um, in one of those cowboy towns. So it's not. It's not definitely not Texas, but a lot of you will find some Texans in those towns. So <laughs> that's interesting. I, I grew up mm-hmm. in the South Bronx, and we in an apartment building my whole family lived in. So there was no getting away with not getting everybody to know what you were doing. No. Uh-huh. It was right. my my mom and my grandmother was my defense because she defended me when she remember when my mother wasn't around. Um, and my aunt was on one floor. My other aunt was on the other floor. The super, my grandmother's friend. I was surrounded. You're there was surrounded. no and my sister and my sister when she came along. Mm-hmm. Whenever yeah, there was always somebody to tell you. Yeah, there's always somebody that knew something that was going on. So. I had to be yeah. so perfect. It was hard. It's hard. So my favorite character, besides Chloe, is Sheriff Boulder. I love this guy. Okay. So, Thank you. So was she, so is Boulder, and what alerts him to the fact that there might be trouble? And Chloe is very close to them. She meets with him. What is their relationship? It's almost as if she's taking the place of somebody else in her life. Exactly. And um, this is... I'm glad you asked that, and I'll let everybody in who's listening behind the scenes. So as much as I wanted to tell Chloe's story or have a book with a female lead, many, many years ago uh, when I started playing around with this story, it was actually going to be Sheriff Boulder's story. Mm. And and basically he was going to be a sheriff, and these bad actors come to town and uh, almost set up like a Western. And then I started to think, well, that's a little too much like that movie uh, from many years ago called History of Violence with uh, Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, ah, oh, I still want a likable sheriff, but this could be perfect where it's almost as if the sheriff 
who's a father figure to Chloe, might actually be rescued by Chloe because, um, again, she she's wise. She's not street smart, but she figures out stuff fairly quickly. And um, she looks up to the sheriff. He's a bit of a father figure to her. And, <clears throat> again, getting to that small-town gossip, some of their high school, uh, not so much friends, but acquaintances, and some of the gossip is it could be that there's something going on between Chloe and the sheriff because that's mm. how a small small towns love a scandal and love gossip, mm. right? And Chloe rises above all that stuff. She's just like, or yet another reason for her to leave the small town because of stupid gossip like that. So um, that's, Sorry. That that's that's why I love this character. I love the fact that she didn't back down, and I love the fact that she sticks by him, because that would have been a mm. disaster. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And then he is sort of similar to um, like a Sheriff Longmire type of modern day sheriff, but um, obviously not exactly. You know, there's different characteristics and stuff, but yeah, a big tough guy. And I sort of set it up that this big tough guy is. Uh, hard to take down and almost invincible, but you you come to find that uh, even the tough guys need help, and sometimes they need help from the uh, the brilliant, pretty, mixed-race girl in Chloe. <laughs> oh, this is so nice. You know, very rarely, I don't mean in your case, very rarely when I review a book for book pleasures, because I'm one of the people that Norm thinks is great, do I ever get a thank you? I just got an honor. I'm honored and very much appreciated that he loved my insight on my review. That oh. that just made uh, the book is called How Far by uh, a sportscaster Robert Wilbur, and it's two two sports uh, two sports. Uh, one is a hockey player, one is a um, baseball player. And I told the story. Okay. Also, I, I, you know, it may, first of all, when I get something right, I go like, Yay! Finally. So, um, now we have two characters. We have to. I'm going to skip this next question because I don't want it to give away anything. Okay, this oh. is cool. How come you created? I always wanted to do this to throw knives. She's a knife thrower, Chloe. And how yes. does she come into? How does that come into play with this novel? I would love to learn how to do that. It's so cool. Seriously. Okay. Um, the uh, so I wanted her. Uh, if she's in a world where she could be overpowered by strong blue-collar men, how is she going to defend herself? So I could have given her a really extensive martial art background, or I could mm-hmm. have given her a, a gun, but most of the books, you know, are rotten with guns. we got enough guns, right? And mm-hmm. how could I justify a high, high schooler that, you know, wears a gun on her hip or has, has a gun under her pillow? It'd be... As soon as she kills the first person, the story would have to go in a different direction. So, uh, you know, knives are easier to get than, um, than than guns, obviously. And it sort of levels the playing field. If she had a gun, she could take down any mm. of these big guys. But if she was physically fit, which she is, and has a knife, and yet she's going up against somebody who's 50 or 60 pounds heavier... It's more of an even fight, and then I could build the tension around, like, mm. who's, who's going to come up on top of this. Mm. And so I needed the reader to believe, like, I can't just say she took a knife and she just sliced them into 14 pieces. 
how could she do that? So I showed the background that she sort of uh, became obsessed with learning how to throw knives and train with knives. And it's also a way for her to calm her rage. Uh, you know, if she's angry at her mother, mm-hmm. she would go outside and work with her knives. And then there's an artistic piece where she actually uh, gets different wood and she, she carves. So it really calms her down. Yeah. So it's almost like a meditation. So she can she can kill you with it and she can create beauty with it at the same time. That, that, like is, that. Great. that is great. That is great. Yeah, really. I mean, I used, when I used to, I, I love that. I love I love the, the fact that she did that because when I got used to get upset, I used to sit down and play a piano for hours just to just to unwind. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yes, yes. Was, and I made sure my mother wasn't home so I could pick what I want. <laughs> right, and then the other other and okay. So and the other thing, so you probably felt very, yeah. at times very alone. So you sat at the yeah. piano. She's she's like a lot of kids that are uh, an only child. Well, how what are they mm-hmm. going to do with all that time? They, and I was not going to yeah. have her as as a high schooler just gets on the internet, and looks at Instagram. I didn't want to write that story. I didn't mm-hmm. want to research somebody who's looking at a phone. <laughs> but the other thing, uh, it was fun for me to research knives and, and knife throwing and all that stuff. So that yeah. was kind of that was kind of the selfish part for me. Is oh, I want to learn about this. Uh, if I have to research it, let me put it in a story. So I'm glad that you was did interesting because too. I read so many books, and everybody's looking at phones, and everybody is capped and stuff. Mm-hmm. And going, oh God, none another one is going to put me to sleep. So she's very protective of some people, but not of others. And two people that were interesting were Kyle and Shana. So how does she deal with them in two different ways? And I love Shana. She's my one of my better characters. I like her. Yeah, she seems her her best friend that she grew up with. Yeah. And they sort of had a parting of of the ways, and I, I won't give things away. But yeah. we don't really know why until you get into the book. But on the surface, it could seem like, well, you know, that's how kids are. Your friendships, you start mm-hmm. some and you end some, and you move into others, and that's how it looks like. That's what it looks like along the way, but. Um, Chloe is drawn to people that are strong and that, in her mind, have a strong sense mm-hmm. of right and uh, wrong. Like, she's drawn to good people. She wants to be a good person. And um, and with Kyle, you know, he's just this, ah, shucks, a good-looking dude that uh, is kind of ah, shucks and a little bit bumbly around her. So, uh, in her mind, she's cute, at least in the beginning. Um, so other than that, she doesn't. She doesn't. Uh, she's not a boy crazy teen. Uh, yeah. Again, intellectually, she's she wants to get out to the outside world. She wants to travel. She wants to see the world like she cannot. So for most, for the most part, she doesn't waste her time with looking at boys and going on the internet and all mm-hmm. that stuff. However, she's still a teenager. So and this there's this cute boy that's giving her attention so mm. at the end of the day she's still human and she's still a teenager so it's almost that conflict within her that she can't wait to be a grown up and she thinks she's a grown up but at the same time she's still a yeah. kid yeah. growing up too fast is no fun trust me being a kid and having <laughs> fun is just fun no but my, my mom yeah, used I, to pick my people that I was allowed to go out with I wasn't allowed to just go out with somebody because I thought it was cute 
She had a list. Mm. Seriously. She had a list. So, <laughs> yeah, tell us about why she and Shana have a special bond. And I, riding a horse is, must be fantastic. Riding makes it better. Something just clears your head. So when mm-hmm. she takes out Rusty, it really helped her. And I wanted a picture of the horse because she sounded really pretty. Yeah, so they, they come up together like any typical girlfriends that are neighbors or small town. And mm. uh, Shana comes from a wealthy family and uh, with a big sprawling property and she's got horses and stuff, things like this. And Rusty is one of her sort of, Rusty is one of Shana's ornery kind of, um, uh, yeah, sort of a, a, a bad boy, uh, a naughty horse. But um, there's almost a kinship between Chloe and this horse. It's it's as if they both have this restless beast inside them, but they understand each other, and uh, the horse will behave himself around Chloe, and Chloe will uh, can sort of calm this horse down. So they have mm. uh, definitely have a bond, and that's that's one of Shane, Shane's horses. And uh, so, the, and when they were young. Uh, well, for years they've always ridden together, and that's uh, it was a way for both of them to escape the uh, the mundane or the whatever's going on in their lives in the small town. They could just hop on their horses, mm-hmm. head out into the meadows, and just uh, you know be goofy girls sort of thing. So that was that that also solidified the bond between uh, Shayna and uh, Chloe. I, I like yeah. that. The fact that you fix something positive like riding and not going <laughs> doing something ridiculous like that, that teenagers do, trust me, I know. So yeah, why does yeah. she go to the bar and how does she get in? She is so cool. <laughs> well, she at really some point, cool. I don't want to give too much away, but at, there is a, uh, something is afoot, as Sherlock Holmes would say. There's uh, something mm-hmm. is about to happen. Chloe can feel it. So at this point, this is where mm. she sort of becomes a bit of a Nancy Drew, and mm. uh, becomes a little uh, a bit of an investigator. So she's never done this before. So part of her thinks I'm smart enough, I'm young enough, I can do anything. But she's literally stepping into the adult world where you have to be over 21, and mm. uh, she thinks that some answers are in this bar, and she's never been to a bar. And, you know, obviously there's the other danger of what if this, uh, you know, she's going into a place that's full of alcohol and her mother's an alcoholic. So there's just more than, there's there's a lot of possible danger for her to go into this bar. But she goes because she thinks she can, quote, solve this crime or, or get some answers. And that is why. She, uh, as an underage girl, she goes into this. She goes on this journey where she hasn't been before, and uh, danger lies. Danger may lay ahead for her. So tell us about hmm, this new character, the quiet one. Why did she? What was her interaction with him? And how did you name this person the quiet one? Then we're gonna get into something totally different. <laughs> well, there's a few. Um, out of towners that come to town. Yeah. And the quiet one uh, is where, um, when she's trying to size these guys up and figure out what their game is. And uh, the quiet one is just a description. So 
the gang leader mm-hmm. with the slick back hair. She has a description for him. And uh, the one that makes her the most nervous is the one that doesn't say anything but has mm-hmm. a lot going on behind his eyes. So she mm-hmm. calls him the quiet one. And uh, the quiet one is like anybody who's going on a hike and they come up upon a snake. And the snake is just quiet and just looking at you. And you're like, okay, do I get around the snake? Do I hop over the snake? Or do I turn and go the other way? And boy, mm. is the snake ever quiet, <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm. no, no, she one. just, she's smart. I love yes. people that look things up. Uh, you know what is great? And when you don't know what somebody is, I look, at, I look mm. people up. Even when I get a book, I look up the author to find out about them. And then I look up okay. the you know the information to see if I want to even read it. So she Googles uh-huh. them and she learns about the body shop and Jesse. And what yeah. does she learn about that? Because she you know she's got to be careful when she does something, especially if she's going to get into trouble and investigate. Well, that's the, uh, sorry. I wanted to back up one more just to the last question. Just one more thing mm-hmm. on on the quiet one. Uh, Go the on. The reason I keep. Uh, the reason I came up with that character is when I was in my 20s and then later in my 30s, I was a bouncer in in nightclubs. Oh, and nice. Oftentimes, and oftentimes I would be up against three or four guys that wanted to come in to the club and they couldn't come in or they had, you know, were a little rough with a girl on the dance floor. And there's always a really loud mouthpiece. And there's always a big mm-hmm. guy who's ready for it. And there was usually a quiet one. And I would always keep my eye on that one because often yeah. when the when you know what hit the fan, often they were the most skilled fighter or the most dangerous or the most most ruthless. Like they would be the one to pick up mm-hmm. a glass or a bottle, you know. So I took that character that I was leery of when I was a bouncer and threw that into the book and had him go up against Chloe. So that's just more on the quiet uh, one, how it came up. I, I would do, too, because if somebody's too quiet, you don't know what they're thinking. And you can look yeah. behind their eyes, and you're wondering, what is he really going to do? Is he going to take a gun and shoot yeah. me? Just how endangered. I yeah. know. This is the thing. <laughs> what can I say? So right. you look into Bold's past. What does she find out? And then he tells her to stay away from trouble. You know she's not going to listen. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing about uh, being a, a sleuth, whether you're an amateur or you're a regular PI. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, the bigger, you, the more rocks you tur- uh, turn over, the the more information you find. And so she looks into Boulder's past and she tries to find work or information on these uh, characters that came to town. And she takes that information and goes from there. I don't want to really get uh, spoiled. No, but um, yeah. No, we can't do that. And then she, she also finds, because we've seen many uh, private eye stories when if they're mm-hmm. on case number 50 or 60, they know that people lie to them and they know that the mm-hmm. deeper they go into the story, the more uncomfortable and often ugly the case is going to become until they get to the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Chloe's first time doing anything like this. So um, she's also an impulsive person because she's young and, uh, you know, kind of cocky. And uh, that uh, mm-hmm. can be a recipe for disaster. But and, you got to um, love her anyway. She's the kind of person. 
Well, she has people's backs, and if she really cares about you and you matter to her, she's not going to stick a knife in you. Well, she might stick a knife in somebody else's back, but not yours, though. Definitely not. So she keeps going back to the bar, how come, and what happens with and what do they learn about betrayal? That's not good. Pull me while we... Hello? Hello? John? I can't hear you. This is weird. What happened to the sound? I hear you. Can Uh-oh. you hear me at all? Now I can. Now I can. Yeah. Okay. I'm telling this. Yeah, this I'm going uh, crazy today with this with this right radio. I don't this station. No. Um. Uh, let me say it again. When? Um, yes. What does she learn about betrayal? And what about? Why does she keep going back to the bar? Uh, it seems as though, uh, again, what I like about a small town is sometimes all the answers can be in, mm-hmm. in one bar or in in yeah. one place of one place of business or or one haunted house or whatever it is and uh that seems to be where the answers are and then mm. like a lot of loose uh sometimes people are not who or what they seem so uh there may or may not be betrayal in there so um again I'm not going to spoil it <laughs> no okay before i forget Mm-hmm. I usually wait a day before I do a second interview, but oh well. Tomorrow, one last betrayal. The 28th, uh-huh. this was an interesting story about two Amish people pretending to be married, the counterfeit wife, on the 30th of Nunzio's Way. And when we started Old Sins, land, um, Landslide by Adam Sykes, one of my favorite people in the whole universe, uh, R.G. Belsky, mm-hmm. it's news to you. Claire's back, and at the end, I'm not going to go through all of them. I've got tons, every, three every week. The last one for December, D.P. Lyle, Tallyman. He writes for Criminal mm. Minds. Yes. Okay. And I'm so excited. Yes, and starting in, <laughs> we're going to start January with Vincent Zandri, and I just snagged an interview with Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child for their new book. Oh, so. excellent, excellent. Well, when people ask wow. for an interview, and, and that's why Fran has no days off ever. So, Fran has no days she, off, okay. That's it. Now, we have another character <laughs> that I like, Tawana. She works with the yes. sheriff. So how do we realize that they're both in trouble, and how does Chloe use her skills to make sure that no one would dare hurt these two? Because I would have to come and get them in the book. Well, so Tawana is, um, her lineage is, uh, she's a Chickasaw uh, native, and you could almost say that she is a, like the quiet one in her own right, yeah. but she's one of the good guys, she's a, she's a deputy, so she's one of the good, uh, one of the good folk, and she's a figure of a very strong, confident uh, no nonsense badass. So uh, absolutely, with Chloe, with looks up to her, not like a mother figure, but like a big sister. Mm. And uh, as the crime heats up, she's often Deputy Tawan is often wa- warning Chloe away, but Chloe has her own sense of right and wrong, and she keeps she keeps moving forward. Um. Uh, yeah, that was one of my absolute favorite characters to write, and yeah, I love Tawana because there's 
in her being a quiet one, there's you, you're dying to know her backstory, and I like characters like that. Um, many authors capture that character, and we see it in television and stuff. They they do these amazing feats quietly uh, and with precision, and but they don't say much, and uh, they're, they play their cards close to the vest. And often the people around them want to get close, and they don't let them in, and you want to know why. And you may or may not find out what. So, yeah, I love Tawanda. She's one of my favorite to write. Well, I like her too. And you know, sometimes the minor character adds something to the plot from the major character that makes it better. And sometimes yes. you want, you know, some authors take the the minor character sometimes and give them a whole novel, which is even better sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I like mm-hmm. Boulder. He's my guy. So, <laughs> He's Boulder so guy. what? <laughs> So why does she risk it all, and what happens that could get her arrested? Because if she wants to get something done, she doesn't care how she does it. That's what's great about Chloe. Well, Chloe, you know, both Sheriff Boulder and Tawana at different times warn her to to stay out of this because this is police business, this is dangerous stuff. And Chloe is almost like, in her um, stubbornness, She's almost like, I mm-hmm. dare you to lock me up. You're not going to lock me up because we're all friends in this small town. Yeah. But, you know, they, they keep telling, letting her know, like, if you keep if you keep this up and you don't get, you know, hurt by the crime, we are going to lock you up. I mean, Boulder gets really pissed off uh, because he cares about her. And, and he knows, I mean, these people deal with, with criminals, so they know how these things Usually happen fast, and they don't, and and they end and they end badly. So, but but Chloe is she's innocent. She's still a teenager. She doesn't know the big mm-hmm. bad world yet, even though, even though she thinks she can handle it, because she's been up against a lot of bad characters in her own home. Mm. So she thinks, okay, I, I she thinks I understand the young world. Like so many, you, we all remember how. We thought we had to, had it all figured out by the time we were 18 years old, and we didn't, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's, it's no different for Chloe, even though she's Chloe is a lot smarter than I was at that age. But <laughs> and mm. she doesn't have it figured out; she thinks she does. So, um, yes, she looks up to these people. She wants to protect these people, and they're keep telling her like, "Leave it alone. We'll we'll take it from here." And she's like, "No." <laughs> I wasn't street smart until I became an educator at a very young age. Okay. That's that's when that's when I got tough. And that's when I realized, sure. you know, when you grow up in the South Bronx and you're teaching tough mm-hmm. people, you better get tough. But right. yeah, but I got tough. You, I was tough, but they really loved me. I'm they sure still love me. A, I'm sure you I'm sure you learned a lot from from the students because oh, know, sure. the teacher learned. Let me tell you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the good part is that they're all on Facebook, and they all love me. Mm-hmm. They're all there. They're not that much younger than right. me, so we won't even go into that. But, yeah, they're all doctors, activists, teachers, educators, that when I do my seminars with my reading professor, um, I ask my students for what's going on in their school so I could use what they're telling me, and they do. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you got to get tough. Now, the other character was Norma Jean and Marilyn Monroe. How did they fit in? I love Marilyn Monroe. Sorry. Hello? Don't tell me the sound went out again. Can you hear me? 
John? Okay, this is getting to me today. This is getting to me. What is with this sound today? I'm going to see if I can log in on my phone. Can you hear me now? Yep, I can hear you the whole time. This is weird because it's, I'm not getting the answer back. Okay, so who are the what happens? Who are the what happens to her mother? I felt cry, I felt so sad. I started to cry with that one. Well, you know, as you see, when you as the book goes along, you can see that you know they they love each other, but it's uh, they find mm-hmm. it. Which, it's hard for Chloe to love her mother. It's really hard, difficult for yeah. her to love her mother because she's her caregiver. And she sees her uh, throwing her life away to alcohol. So she's angry, but, you know, she's still that little girl that loves her, her mommy and wants mm. her mommy to come back. Yeah. And as I said before, and, and her mother is um, just together, but she definitely loves her daughter and has... So what happened? Why didn't anybody stop what happened to her? Why wasn't there anybody there to defend her? I can't hear you again. I don't know what's going on with this stupid phone today. Can you hear me now? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Can you, I'm here. I can, now I can hear you. This is so weird. I, I don't know what's okay, going so on I with can, this with thing today. I can hear you the entire time. I can hear you the whole time. Okay, uh, good, because I'm going to turn on my cell phone just so I have a double, double thing here. So uh, what happened? Okay. Why did anybody stop it? Well, it's one thing about the small town is uh, you, as much as you gossip, you don't want, at, sometimes mm. the other people don't want to get involved. So mm. once they see that Mama is kind of known as, as a drunk, they might pick up the pieces if she passes out in a bar or something like that, but they're mm. not going to do an inter- an intervention or anything like that because mm. at the same time, people don't want other people to meddle in their lives. So that's... So why didn't... Nobody stopped it. So something happens to her mother. How does the town pull in for her? How do they pull in for her to make her know that she they care? I can't hear you again. How does the how does the town pull in for her? Well, the the uh, when she, uh, hmm, I'm trying to figure out how to do it without giving too much away. But you know, uh, the doctors, the sheriffs, they come to her after an innocent incident, but uh-huh. they are they they don't intervene beforehand. If that makes sense, were, were you able to hear me? Yes, now I can. I don't know what's going on with this today. It's not my phone, and I was on my cell phone having the same issue. I don't know what's wrong with this thing today. I'm going to have to tell them because it shouldn't happen. Um, so right. at the end, where does she go now? What does China reveal that sends her on another path of justice? And are you bringing Chloe back, I hope, again? Can you hear me now? I can't hear you. Are you bringing Chloe back again for another book? Can you hear me now? Yes. Are you able to mm-hmm. hear me? Okay. 
yes, throughout the throughout the book, she's torn between staying and looking after her mother or traveling and seeing the world. So mm-hmm. uh, she comes to that decision at the end of the book, uh, which you'll see if you read. And mm-hmm. uh, I may or may not bring Chloe back. You, you have to read the book to see. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to tell them either. So before we end and this stupid sound goes off again, um, what's next for you? Seriously, when am I and when am I getting it? I don't know. Can you hear me now? What's next for you, John? Can you hear me? I'm going to have to turn on my cell phone. Because it's not, it's for some stupid reason, this is not working today. Can you hear me now? I can't hear you. What's next for you? I'm hoping that you can, oh. Okay, I'm going to see if I could do it on my cell phone now. Can you hear me now? I can't hear you. This is getting to me today. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why. I don't know why this is happening. I can hear you now. What's next for you? Okay. Uh, the third book in my loop comes out March 20th of next year. Oh, good. And, and then you're going to bring back Chloe? Is Chloe coming back or what is this one about? I don't know. I can't hear again. Can you hear me now? Yep. Can you hear I, me? Okay. Yeah, now I can. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to have to say something. This is Chloe, terrible. Okay. Chloe is coming back. How's that? Did you get that? That's what I need. That's even better. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> and if you want to schedule, um, um, you can email, private message me because with this phone today. Just let me know if you want, when it comes out, if you want to schedule another interview because March is about when I have time. Not before. Sorry, people. Oh, I'd love to. So where can, we, where can we find out more about you and your work? Uh, my website, uh, jonathanbrownwriter.com. That's com. Uh, leave me a note over there because uh, I have a newsletter, too, and I keep everything up to date there. I'm on Facebook at my name and Instagram, Jonathan B. Books on Instagram. That's where I am. And you have a new podcast, right? Don't you do a podcast? Yes, I do. See, yes, I know it's things. Called, it's a, say you do. It's a health and wellness and fun laughter podcast called uh, Get really? Out of Your Head. and Yeah, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life, it's called. And it's on now, Spotify. I have, listen, I have to listen. I have to listen to that because stress management is something that everybody needs to take seriously once in a while. I'll, I'll send you the link. I'll send what, you the link. Thank you. Thank you so much, okay. everybody. No. It's a beautiful day outside, and I'm to do something about this sound. I'm really so I don't know what happened, what's happening with this today. Everybody have a great day, John. Stay, stay well, and bye. Thank you so much for having me.